This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. God bless you as you're seated this morning. Thank you so much for showing up. I'm glad that there are people in the house today. I'm glad you're in the house today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. I would be sitting by myself. As I look out, I'm glad you're here because I don't want to be preaching to an empty chair. Um, I messaged Trent and said, I hope people show up this morning. Is it the topic? Humor, you can laugh. You know, I don't know. Uh, is it the topic? Is it me? Is it me or is it you? I don't know. Uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here today. If you're online, I'm glad that you're here this morning. I just want to remind you, if you're new with us today, uh, make sure that you take time and opportunity to fill out a connection card so we can get better, uh, get to know you better. Uh, they're in the back of your chair back, as well as you can scan that QR code and fill that out as well. And we would love for you to be able to participate in that way. I want to remind you, uh, I think every parent already got the notification. Pastor Rhonda mentioned it earlier. Pastor Jesse is, is sick today. He's not been well this weekend. And so he is dismissing youth group tonight as well as postponing the parent uh, student dinner that he has so aptly prepared for and uh, high attendance. So would you just be sensitive to his schedule as well when he tries to re, re-up that? I know that everybody's life gets a little bit busy, but if you would prioritize it to get there as well, once again, and I just want to pray. Would you, God, today we pray for Jesse. God, would you touch him, touch his family, guard Kendra, God, Shep, Lord. I don't know where they're all at in the process of, of, of health, but God, would you just surround them and strengthen them today? And God, would you bring quick and rapid healing in the name of Jesus? We thank you that you do these things and you care about these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're continuing on week number two. Say week two. Week two, managing money God's way. Everyone say it with me. Managing money God's way. Uh, I, know that, I know the topic of finances can bring a lot of tension. Uh, how many know that, it, that, that things that bring tension are not bad things? Tension, tension of going, am I going to be stressed about it? It's a tension that we have to manage, not, re, not eliminate, because everybody has to have money to live. Um, when we have lack of money, it's hard to live. So there's this tension that we face in our culture today, face in our lives. How many have ever had situations in your life where you have had excess of money? Come on, raise your, participate, where you've had excess and you've felt the freedom. How many have had less than and you felt the tension of not having enough? So today we come with this, this is a tension that we all face, we all encounter. It's not something new, uh, but I do want to assure you today as we step into this mindset of, of finances, Pastor Kevin is not here to raise an offering. That's not what we're here about. I'm here to communicate. Uh, and if you want to give an offering, go right ahead. I'm, I, should, I could come back and say, no, don't give an offering. But um, I, want you to, I want you to realize that the purpose of this this series is not to get you rich quick, but to get you free forever. As we step into this mindset of finances, finances can bring either freedom or bondage to our lives. Last week, we looked, really, we looked at the idea of margin uh, versus margin equals freedom, and I'm going to get to that in just a second, but I am not here also to preach about the prosperity gospel because I don't believe in the prosperity gospel. I don't believe that God gives you more money because he loves you more than somebody else. I don't believe that God gives you money in response to you giving money. I don't believe that he favors rich people over poor people, but I can tell you this, I do believe, according to scripture, that God does want you to prosper, and God does want to bless you. And I ask you this question, this process, this mind Set, is if there were not, if we did not have blessing, how would, the, how would we do what the Bible declares about lending to other nations? 
If God did not want to bless us, how would we, uh, how would we go into all the world and preach the gospel? If God did not bless us, who's going to plant the churches and who's going to build more campuses? If God didn't bless us, how are we going to send missionaries? If God didn't bless us, who's going to write the books and the resources that the church needs? And I can tell you today that I believe that God has all of those tools and all those resources within his body. And God says, if, he, if my people would just be generous, I have it there. It's not about a prosperity. It's about a blessing mindset. It's not living with a poverty. We can see that the Bible declare, does not shy away, again, uh, away from this topic of money. Scripture actually includes 2,500 verses of how to handle money and possessions. Verses that give us a blueprint of how you and I should handle our money. And I'll say this, they're better than what the world is offering. And a lot of those things that the world is offering actually is going off of patterns of what the scripture offers. How many realize that? But in, the, in light of all this, we gave two, two uh, resources last night with this Q, or last week with this QR code. Number one, if you want to turn that slide up there with the QR code, if you scan this QR code, it's going to take you to, the, to our resource page, and you'll find on there a link to go to Dave Ramsey. I already heard this week that a couple people have already signed up for Dave Ramsey. Good for you. Come on. Let's tell them, yeah. I love that. Uh, if you need help with your finances, Dave Ramsey is the guru to help you. And it's, it's a very, uh, very reasonable cost of $79 online that you get all the resources for an entire year to be able to apply them to your life. And I, I highly, highly encourage it. Ron and I have been through it several times. Dave Ram- God is the one that set us free, but God used Dave Ramsey as a tool in our lives to help us be free. Amen. So it's a tool that we want to give to you as well as we're stepping into a 90-day giving challenge. And I'm going to show the video right after this so you can understand a little bit more that's there. A 90-day giving challenge that begins next Sunday, March. And we're wanting to invite everybody to participate in this aspect of giving. Uh, maybe, maybe you've never tithed before. We want to invite you to tithe for 90 days. Uh, and Pastor Ali will give a definition on that as well. But maybe you're already tithing and we're asking you, would you reconsider to go, God, how can I bless you that much more? It's a 90-day process. Let's show the video and you can see what I'm talking about. Hey RLC, I'm excited to share that we are once again launching a 90-day giving challenge that literally comes with a money-back guarantee. You might think we're crazy, but we're ready to take God at His word by testing His promise to bless and provide for those who commit to biblical financial giving. This challenge begins March 1st and ends May 31st, and there are two ways to get involved. First is for those who don't regularly tithe. Your challenge is to begin to tithe regularly over the next 90 days. And tithing simply means giving 10% of each paycheck. Second is for those who are already tithing. Your challenge is to begin to give over and above that 10% for the next 90 days. And the money back guarantee? If at the end of this challenge, you don't see God providing for you, then every amount you give during the 90 days will be refunded, no questions asked. So that we can track all giving to honor the guarantee, you must give specifically to the 90-Day Giving Challenge Fund. All the details are in the handout that you were given today, so be sure to read it and fill out a commitment card before March 1st. We're excited to see what God is going to do in each of your lives, and we can't wait to hear about it. So sign up, take part, and don't miss out. Much. I know that this topic sometimes brings tension and, 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 and all, and I've heard, I've heard the testimonies of God's faithfulness in many lives, and I've also heard the tension on the other side of going, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't like this. Um, and I just want to tell you, uh, how many know that sometimes we have to eat vegetables that we don't like to make us better? 
right? God's word is not always filled with everything that we like. It has to challenge us because God wants to transform our thinking according to him again. And so today, last week we looked at margin equals freedom. And I made that statement that if, if margin equals freedom, then lack of margin equals bondage. And we gave two definitions about the state of freedom or the free, freedom is the state of being free, the absence of, absence of, of constraint, not being restrained, not being bound by something something. Bondage is that state of being bound, enslaved, and controlled by. And I can tell you, I'm speaking from someone, as someone who is here as someone who is free, who once was bound. Not just free in Christ, but once was bound by finance, lack of financial, proper lack of proper financial handling. And I can tell you today, I'm no longer controlled by this thing called money. I am in submission to God. And I can tell you there is a freedom with that. And that's really what this whole whole series has been about, is we want you to step into freedom. We want you to be free. We want you to have that place where you're not overly concerned about, even though it is a tension that we manage. I made this statement over last week, and I'm going to play off. I'm going to go into a next phase this morning. But when we live with no margin, we live stressed and anxious. But when we live with no plan, we live without purpose. Can I tell you that this is not just financially. This is in our time. This is in our giftings. This is in all those areas that when we don't... uh, when we don't have margin, and we don't, where we don't have margin, we don't have a plan, we're not, being, we're not able to accomplish God's purpose for our lives or as a church. Today, I want to talk about my title of my message is Take Care. I'm going to say, Take Care. Turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. This idea of take care, you know, when I think about this, this phrase of take care, how many have ever said take care to somebody that you care about? You say, hey, take care of yourself. It's, it's a sign of love. It's a sign of, hey, I care about you. I want you to care about yourself. I want you to take care of you. Would you do what you can do to take care of you? Not only is it that, but it's also uh, a form of responsibility that when we take care of something, there is something that comes back on us to go, no, I'm responsible for something. Not just myself, but I'm responsible to take care of whatever it is that I have in my possession. Today, when we talk about being t- taken care of, what I want you to re- realize is there is this understanding to take care is to be careful with or to be watchful over. Uh, this exercising of caution, and we come back and go, well, why? Why are we to exercise caution? Why are we to take care of? Because can I tell you today, money matters. Money matters to God, and it should matter to us. But the, oftentimes what happens is it gets out of, out, out of the, the tension. We don't manage it, and so therefore money ends up mattering more to us than it should matter to us. But pastor, if we're not talking about raising an offering, then why do we need to do this? Because again, money matters to God. Money does matter to God. Uh, it's one of those topics that Jesus talked a lot about in our culture. Words, uh, uh, in our culture, words can be cheap. How many have discovered that? That we can promise with our words and we can come to go, God, I love you. God, I value. And we can do that with our spouse or with our family. But it really comes back to not just your words, it comes back to your Actions, your behavior speaks so much more than words, and words can be cheap. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to lay down for these words of love? When we come in and we say, God, I love you, and God, I want you to be the Lord of my life, what are your actions that go along with that? It's not just the words and declaration of lordship, it's a lifestyle of lordship. Am I correct? 
When we think of God's word, I can see it all, situations all throughout uh, scripture. God says, if you love me, you will Obey. If you love me, lay down your life for me. If you love me, deny yourself. If you love me, leave your father and your mother. Can I tell you, God's word, the New Testament is filled with take care, be responsible. If you love me, words are cheap. Don't just use your words, use your actions. And so today we want to talk about this concept of our actions. Many times we can come back and say, God, I love you. And I think what we need to do is we need to step back and we need to look at how we spend our time. Are we serving? How we're spending our money? We need to go look at our credit cards. We need to look at our checkbooks. We need to look at our Apple Pay, whatever it is. And we need to go, what is, where's my value going? What am I valuing? Are my words cheap? What you say is supported by what you sacrifice. What you're willing to sacrifice declares what is actually important to you. Matthew 6, 21, we looked at it last week, but I want to read it out of the Amplified. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your, and, and, it go, and it elongates this, your, your heart re- reflecting your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers. Your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers. I love how the Amplified amplifies this, how it brings it back to this clarity, because oftentimes we go, well, where my heart is, but can I tell you, your heart is reflective of what you desire. Your heart is reflective of what you wish for. Your heart is is reflective of what truly your life is centered upon. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the problem with this, or the reality of this, is God wants your life centered on him and nothing else. That's why he says, where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And last week we talked about this concept. If you want your, if you want your treasure to be in the right place, we've got to make sure our hearts are in the right place. We've got to put our, our heart on the target and therefore our treasure will follow where our heart is. The second reason we talk about this is because if money matters to God, can I tell you, it really should matter to us. And reality is, the fact is this, that it does matter to us because it's, how it, it reflects on, it's reflected in how we live. According to the 2023 Stressed in America study published by American Psycho- Psychological Association, Americans who say that money is a significant source of stress to them is higher than it's ever been since 2015. So this is a 2023 study. Millennials and Gen Z are the most affected by financial anxiety. The the survey found that 82% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 43 consider money to be the most stressful point of their lives. Student loan loan debt, death is true, right? (laughs) Student loan debt stood at 1.6 trillion in the first quarter of 2023. Talk about student debt, does anybody get a little bit, because you have student debt. Car debt is 1.5 trillion since January through March in 2023. Credit cards just for the first quarter of 2023 was 986 billion combined with the highest rates uh, on the market as well as the tightest housing market. So again, they're looking at this concept. Can I, uh, just me reading these statistics that cause anybody a little bit of anxiety. A little bit of stress. Can I tell you what our world is facing? Those without Jesus, those without a concept are facing this mindset. And that's why we preach this today. That's why we come because God doesn't want you in bondage. God wants you in freedom. 
God wants you to live with a freedom that's there. The theme for today is we feel stressed, not because of the condition of our money in our bank accounts, but because of the position that money has in our hearts. I want you to grasp this today, and I pray that God will help me to communicate this. We feel stressed not because of the condition of money, how much we have in our bank accounts, but really the position that we place money in our hearts and in our lives. Can I can tell you this, because I can go to foreign countries, and I've been to many of them, that the poorest of people without so much as we have are the happiest people that I've ever known most content people that I've ever known. They're satisfied and yet they want to give everything that they have. Why? Because it's the position of money in their hearts. It's the position of what God has done in their lives. Matthew chapter six, verse 24 says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, Jesus, God and money. What I want you to realize here is this. Jesus is not coming and saying you have to get rid of one or the other. He's saying that they actually can coexist in your life. Can I tell you that oftentimes in the church world, we come back and go, well, they can't coexist. They can't be there. No, God's going, no, I'm, you, you got to have money to live. You got to have all these things. With it. If I bless you, I got to have you blessed so that you can do. The mindset comes back to this is the problem isn't having money is the problem is money having us. The problem is the position that we allow money to have in our lives. It comes back to what is dominating our what? Our desires, our wishes, and our thinking. What is it that consumes us? If we think about money all the time, it literally controls our lives and makes decisions for us. It becomes our master. Can I tell you many conversations that I have with people that believe in Jesus as well as outside of, but I'm talking about believers this morning believe in Jesus, that oftentimes they will make decisions for their lives according to their jobs and their money without even praying about it. They'll make life-changing decisions based upon a financial benefit rather than coming back and going, God, I want to consider you in this. I can tell you that so often I hear people that are getting ready to go to college go, well, why are you pursuing that? I go, well, I, I Googled what's the base salary, what's the best salary, and I'm pursuing this. And I go, well, do you actually even like that? And they're going, no. And I'm going, can I, how, how many know that God wants you to be happy? He wants you to be happy. Some of us will move to entire different cities or states because of the cost of living is lower rather than the, and they don't even ask themselves the cost of spirituality. What's going to happen to my faith? Is there a church that is healthy? Is there a family support system around? Or is it just a financial decision? There are those who will choose to, on who we will date and who will marry based upon how much money they make. And you're going, no, that's not true. I, I'm telling you, I do premarital counseling. Can I tell you, it's not that money's not important, it's that money can't determine our lives and determine our decisions. It cannot be this thing that dictates our lives, and that's what God is coming in, Jesus is saying. You can't serve two masters. God has to be the Lord of your life, and money is going to be part of it. They can coexist, but you can't allow it to take your focus and your attention. And today I wanna to talk about a really important topic that most of you probably have heard, and some of this may be new to you, but it's the word stewardship. I'm going to say it. Turn to your neighbor and say it's stewardship. This word stewardship or the form of stewardship in the form of steward is used 2,300 times in the Bible. 
all the New Testament, 2,300 times. We're talking, that's a popular word. There's a concept that there is there that wants to be understood. And the definition of this is the careful, everyone say careful. The careful and the responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Thus the title, take care. Take care, take responsibility for this thing that's been entrusted to you, acting as a guardian of, recognizing that everything we have and everything we are is is a gift from God and being grateful and generous with those gifts. One of the Bible definitions or Bible dictionaries said, biblical stewardship is a responsibility, a duty, and an obligation of every Christian. We're required to care for, utilize, and manage the affairs of creation in whatever way God brings them into our lives. In whatever way that is, whether that's time, whether that's gifting and abilities, whether, whether that's financially, whatever that might be, whatever that form is, we're responsible for. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said this, every faculty you have, so every sense that you have, every, every foundation of our lives, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. How many believe that today? If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, already his. Can I tell you today, when you come and say, God, I'm serving you, I'm doing you a favor, he's like going, no, actually, you're giving me back what you should be giving me back. You know, God, I'm giving you a favor by giving my 10% or giving a generous offering, and God's going, actually, you're not doing me any favors. You're actually honoring the system that I set up. How many sometimes see in our lives, and I don't, you don't need to raise your hand, I can, I'll put my, there are times I, when I'm younger and when I'm immature or when I'm tired, I'm going, God, I hope you appreciate my sacrifice. Probably no one in this world, in this room is as carnal as Pastor Kevin, but I'm just telling you, there are times that I have to battle that thought to go, God, I hope you appreciate. Can I tell you? Yes, he does appreciate. Yes, he does value my sacrifice. But if I do it without the wrong, right heart motive and the right attitude, can I tell you that it falls and is burned up as nothing? Yeah, it has to come back to going, God, I want to honor you. I realize that all this is for you and from you. Matthew chapter 25, a, a parable that we know about if you want to follow along on the screen. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, if you want to open your Bibles. <clears throat> Jesus said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, original language talents, five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey and this man who had received five bags of gold went out, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in, in the ground and hid his money, master's money. After a long time, the master of, the, of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five and I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with these things. I'll put, put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
The man with two bags of gold also came and master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. I've also gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, master, he said, I knew that you're this hard man. You harvest where you've sown and you gather where you have not, uh, not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I went out and I hid, hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, do you, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one with 10 bags. For whoever has, has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story. Jesus, I thank you for your boldness in communicating this story. Would you help us to perceive, to grasp, to understand? Would you help us to not just understand it, but would you help us to apply this in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. I think oftentimes, depending on the translation that you're reading, if it does just say talents, many of us come back to, what am I gifted with? What do I, what's my ability? And this, this passage of scripture, although it is inclusive to all those areas of our life because we understand what stewardship is, this is a, a parable, a parable of stewardship about money. Everyone say money. Money is, is, uh, is the main topic here besides this idea of stewardship. And when we think about this word talent, we can understand now because translations have changed that word from talent to a bag of. But what you have to understand is this word talent is actually a measurement of money. A measurement in biblical times was not always standardized, but it was rather practical. For example, I could say this stand is an arm's length, arm's length away from me. They would talk about traveling and they didn't say miles, they would say it's a two days journey. It was their standard of measurement, it was how they came and they dialogued what this looked like and that's the similar, it's exactly what is happening here in this passage of scripture. Equal to what we do in our world today, we can come and go, it's, it's, those chairs are 30 feet from me or that distance is X amount of miles from me. Today we have this concept, I remember you know, we have a tape measure and we measure out what distance is. I remember going to locations with my dad or he'd be measuring something like that, and he'd forget his tape measure and he would count it off going one, two, three. And you know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you today, uh, how many know that some people have bigger feet and some people have smaller feet? There had to become a standardized measurement for a tape measure. And they came to the conclusion that 12 inches was going to be a foot. So therefore, when they come and they determine that, it's very similar to this mindset. So a talent was the largest measurement of money in the New Testament. But it had, it had a variation. It wasn't completely standardized. So when we think about a talent of money, it was anywhere from 75 pounds to 125 pounds. Think about the concept here is that we wish that it was standardized and we wish that it was equal, but he's really kind of giving this roundabout era of what it is. And a talent was determined by how much a man or woman could actually carry. The base was 75, the max was 125, so somewhere in the middle there it can end up being, it could fluctuate. We think about this, a talent being 75 to 100 pounds. 
125 pounds, and it was never in reference to wheat or to any other item. It was only in reference to silver and to gold. So the concept of talent was never about excess things. It was about this concept of silver and gold, money of what is there. But let me put this into practical terms for you according to our culture today about what finite, what it would be worth today. Again, we specify that it's gold, so the value of gold wasn't silver. The value of gold today is $2,027 an ounce. There are 16 ounces in a pound, therefore one pound was $32,432. There were 75 pounds, if we go the very base rate, the 75 pounds of gold for the lowest measure of a talent. That guy received $2,432,000. We're not talking about an insignificant amount. We're not talking about a bag of pennies. We're talking about a bag that is worth $2 million. Put it into context, the guy with five talents was $12,162,000. Can I tell you today, I don't know if anybody's read this parable until this week as I was studying, I would always feel sorry for the poor guy that only got a bag. Going, man, that's not fair. How many live by fairness? That's not fair. Why? I step back and go, $2 million, dude. I don't feel sorry for you anymore. It's kind of like going to the guy that won $5 million at the lottery and going, I'm so sorry. I feel sorry for you. Right? This mindset that we oftentimes have is we don't understand the value of the talent that God has given to us. When you don't understand, when we undervalue what God gave us uh, for just being one talent, we don't, we don't see the, we miss the value hidden in that one talent. Can I tell you that oftentimes we overlook and we go, I wish I had, or we compare it to somebody else, and God goes, would you value the talent that you have? You're not responsible for someone else's talent, you're responsible for your talent. You're not responsible for how someone else spends their money. You're responsible for how you spend your money. The concept here is Jesus is very, being very clear of, yes, stewardship, but keep your business in your business. Mind your own business. Take care of what I've given you. We can come back and say, you know, the thing that was so nice about this one guy, he was just so filled with contentment that he, did, he, was, he, he didn't need any more. But man, that guy with two bags and that guy with five bags, he, they are greedy. They want to double the money. And today, I want to tell you today that I think all of us in this room have been given extreme potential to steward, extreme value to steward. And it's not about greed. It's about multiplying what God has given you to do. It's about utilizing it and being a steward of and rocking with wisdom in I'm not trying to be more than God has called me to be, but I don't want to be less than what God has called me to be. I wrote this down. I don't want, I don't want, I want nothing more than what God has planned for me, but I want nothing less than what God has planned for me. Can I tell you that that's the ideal spot of God? I think oftentimes we want to rise above. We want to be the top of the crowd and God's going, I just want you to be what I've called you to be. So we talk about this area of finances. It's not in competition with the richest man in the world or the richest woman in the world. It's coming back and going, God, Am I fulfilling your purpose in my life with the finances you've given me? Can I tell you that oftentimes I believe this, 
that what God intended as a starting line, we oftentimes make as a finish line. God gives us something and God goes, no, I want you to invest it. I want you to practice it. I want you to get better with it. I want you to steward. I want you to care for it because it's not yours, it's mine. I want you to do the best that you possibly can. And oftentimes we limit ourselves because we get caught up, limit ourselves in multiplying because we get caught up in comparing with what someone else has. Or we get to this place of going, mine's just not as word. Mine, we complain because mine, mine's less than. You know, they've just been blessed more than me. They've been given more than me. And God's going, if you would be faithful with what I gave you, I'm taking it out of context, but Jesus said, what is that to you? You follow me. Can I tell you that that's really what it comes back to with this process of finances, this process of stewardship, is we can slip so easily into comparison of this is not fair. Life's not fair. Can I just tell you, my mom said it over and over again. She says, Kevin, life isn't fair. And the soonest you realize life isn't fair, the happier you're going to be. Can I tell you, if we walk through life being the victim every single time we turn around, we're not going to be happy. The two questions that we have to ask ourselves according to this principle or this parable is this. Why did one get one? Why did one get one? First and foremost, the reason that one got one is because God is good and God is filled with grace. Because this person, this master entrusted one to this individual. Can I tell you that when we think about our lives, it's because he's entrusted to us. We actually get more than, we, we actually have more than we deserve. What? You mean I don't deserve it? You mean I don't have rights? No, we actually have more than we deserve. Why did the other guy get five? The reason the other guy got five is because God is good and God's filled with grace. He got more than he deserved. But also, when we think about the definition of talents, it was based upon his ability to carry what he could carry. When we see this Greek word ability in scripture, when it's attached to God, it means supernatural power. When it's attached to man, it means strength. So when you see this word ability to God, it means supernatural power, that nothing is impossible for him. When it comes according to God, to man, it means that the strength that is given them. Remember that a talent was defined by how much a person can carry, and God decided to give this man 375 pounds based upon his strength. It would be like me coming up to Trent and say, God, Trent, here's 375 pounds, and then coming up to Allie and say, hey, Allie, here's 375 pounds. I'm wanting to bless both. I want to give equal. Trent may be able to carry it, but Allie's going to be dragging it and may not even be able to get it off the ground. Right. <laughs> but I come back to this mindset. Can I tell you, God doesn't want to crush you with his blessing, he wants you to succeed in your blessing. He's gonna give it to you accordingly and how you can carry it. You want more, that's a different sermon. You want more, how to steward it, can I just tell you, I'll sum up with this, be faithful with what he's given you and he'll give you more, that's scripture. But I wanna give you three principles really quickly this morning. Three principles on stewardship. Number one, principle of ownership. And I wanted to say today, these are not original to me. If you go online, you're gonna see these principles that are there, so I'm not creating principles I did develop the sermon, though, according to these principles. So principle number one is a principle of ownership. As a Christ follower, a disciple, what, as a Christ follower, as a disciple, what is ownership? 
Ownership is the idea that everything you have belongs and comes from God, and you are managing what belongs to Him. You are not the owner, you are the steward of. Psalms 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Let's say it again. The earth is the and everything in it. Can I tell you, the sooner you can realize this, the sooner that you can grasp this, the sooner that you can accept this, to realize that I don't own anything, it is all God's. Stewardship is how you manage what does not belong to you. This reality is this idea that as a steward, what are you managing? You're managing God's stuff, not your stuff. How you care for it is reflective of your heart towards God. Stewardship expresses our obedience of handling everything that we have in accordance with God's biblical stewardship. We do not have the right to control, we do not have the right or the control over our property or ourselves for our selfish gain. Can I tell you the reality is stepping back to go, yes, this money's in your account, this money's in your wallet, but in reality, it's God's. And how you handle it is reflection of how you love him. The principle of ownership frees us from anxiety. Why? Because when we understand where it all comes from, there is freedom in knowing that God's ultimately responsible for it. Right? That God gives and God takes away, that ultimately God is the one responsible for it. I think about my two grandkids, I love them dearly, uh, one's six and one's three, and uh, uh, Xander is three, and he uh, strong-willed, amazing. He's gonna, he's, he's, they're both going to be world, world-conquering people. But can I tell you, there's this mindset, and they were playing with some toys just this last week, and he's going, Cammy, that's mine. Have you ever used that phrase, that's mine? That's my car, that's my house, that's my job. This mindset, as I was sitting there and I was thinking about this sermon, I didn't come back and say it, but in reality, I want to come back and go, actually, Xander, that's Peepaw and Mima's because we bought it. But let's trail that a little more. Actually, it's not Peepaw and Mima's, it's God's. The reality has to come back to, oftentimes we come back and go, no, it's mine. And the mindset, the principle that we've got to attach to this is it's God's. It's God's. It's God's. You are the, God's not, God is the owner, you are the steward. When you understand who owns it, the anxiety of ever losing it is replaced by the gratitude of ever having it. Can I tell you that there are things, how many have ever lost something? Something was taken from you, finances, whatever it was, you lost something and you felt that pain. But can I tell you, the sooner you can get to the place of going, God, I'm thankful that I even had it in the first place. Rather than this extreme loss of mindset. Can I tell you that God is the one that gives and God is the one that takes away. Can I, but I've realized this in my life, that God is a God who is eternal and he is a good God. He is a God of blessing. He's a God of abundance. He's a God of overflow. He owns all the silver and the gold and the cattle on a thousand hills. There is no limit to him and he can provide and supply as he chooses in accordance with how we steward. I've lost things in my life. I've never lost a business, but I've lost a relationship. I've lost valuable things. I don't know where they're at. Don't know what happened to them. Don't know if they got thrown in the garbage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I used to live by this concept. Well, you know, that was a once in a lifetime opportunity. 
How many have ever said that? Once in a lifetime opportunity. Can I tell you, according to God, that's not a theologically sound statement. Because if God did it once, God can do it again. God's not bound by time. God's not bound by a lack of creation. You may have lost something. You may have lost an opportunity. Something may have come and, come and gone in your life. Can I tell you today, God is not looking at an opportunity to go. He's looking to see if you're faithful with it. But God can recreate. God can give you newness. God can give you value. God can give this new opportunity. Principle number two. Principle number two is the principle of R&R. How many want some R&R? Right? We like that rest and relaxation. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> principle, of, principle of R&R. Principle of responsibility and reward. Principle of responsibility and reward. As a steward, why are we managing? Because he's given to you a responsibility to steward what he's given you. And what is so cool about this is not only is he giving you a responsibility to steward it, he promises a reward at the end. He promises that he's going to reward you accordingly. This idea of responsibility is having a duty, uh, having res- personal care and being held accountable for that. We talk about, you, you know, you, you, how many have kids? You have got kids and you, you realize that you're going to give responsibility to different, uh, different levels of responsibility to different levels of responsibility, right? As your kid gets older, you're going to give a little more weight to what they're doing. Can I tell you, it's the same way that God does with us. Levels of responsibility. If we're faithful with little, he says, I'm going to give you more to be faithful with. This idea of responsibility, Matthew 25, we see it in the story. And again, it was like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted to them his wealth. I didn't go through and add up all the magnitude of the money that is portrayed in this story, but can you, when you start thinking about it, we're talking about millions of dollars. He entrusted to them, meaning that there had to be some form of relationship with them. It wasn't just that he was master over. It wasn't just that they were employees of. Somehow they had, have, had to have proved themselves to go, no, you're trustworthy, How many know that trustworthiness is a lifestyle? Trustworthiness is is making right choices. This principle of responsibility is that they were trusted with something. The owner was relying on them to take care of, to wisely handle this millions of dollars of money. Where is it that we put our trust with our money? The bank. And why do we trust them? Because they have a stamp of approval that there's a guarantee that if money's lost in certain ways, it's gonna, you're going to have a backup. There's a trust based upon this confidence that is there. And this is, what's ideal, this is what this idea is. Ultimately, owners have rights, but stewards have responsibilities. I want you to think about it. You may, as a, as a steward of what God has given you, you don't own it, so therefore you don't have your rights with that. It's not how you want it to be spent. It's how God wants it to be spent. It's why it has to come back to going, God, I submit it to you. I surrender it to you. God, I ask you. I pray about it. This idea of reward is a recognition of achievement. Matthew 25, it says, after that long journey, the master called together his servants, and he says, I want to settle my accounts with you. 
And he went on to this process to the two particularly, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share in my happiness. Can I tell you that it's not financial gain to them? It was the pleasure of the master. Share in my happiness, share in my home, share in who I am, share in how I trust you. And oftentimes we come back to stewardship and we go, well, God, if you're, if you're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, then where, where's the cha-ching? Where's it at? No, the reward of stewardship is the pleasure of the master. The reward of stewardship is going, well done, good and faithful servant. I can trust you with so much more. Why? Because you understand the context. We miss the point oftentimes in reading the story because we step back and we go, well, this is just not fair. And God's not looking at fairness. He's, the point is, is that he gave everybody something. And it means that you can grow whatever God's given you. You can be faithful with whatever God has given you. This idea of giving an account, explaining our actions. I don't know if you've ever put yourself in that position, but there's been many times in my life when I've thought of a behavior or action as I'm walking through the idea of going, I got to repent and I got to be, and I put myself in that awkwardness of the judgment day. And God's saying, Kevin, I'm calling you to account. And the heat begins to rise up my neck. And I begin to feel self-condemnation. And I begin to feel the displeasure of my master. Why? Because it's, I'm not walking in alignment with him. And I think oftentimes, I don't want us to step back and serve God out of fear. But can I tell you, I think there needs to be a realization that you're going to give an account for how you live your life. You're going to give an account for your relationships. You're going to give account with your mind. You're going to give account with your actions. You're going to give account on how you spent your money. You're going to give an account on how you walk with your spouse, how you raised your children. Oh, Pastor Kevin, that's so burdensome. Why did God give you that in the first place? Because he trusted you with them. He knows that within you and grace and his grace, you're able to manage all those if you will do it according to his plan. The principle of responsibility and reward frees you from excuses. I don't know about you today, but I can come up with lots of excuses. What's amazing to me when I think about this reward is that God didn't come to the guy with four and go, dude, you failed me. Why didn't you bring me back 10? He brought me 10. He's not comparing them. He's going, according to this, will you do? I'm going to reward you based on what you've done with what I've given you. What I realize in my life, what frees me, is I'm not responsible for what I don't have, but I am responsible for what I do have. God's not holding me to task for someone else's stuff. God's holding me to task for me. Stewardship begins with what I have right now. Let me ask this question. Not raising money. I, ushers, get the buckets real quickly. Seriously, in all honesty, how many have $5? Whether it's $5 cash, $5 in your debit card, $5 in, how many have $5? I want to ask you, what are you doing with that $5? This concept here of stewardship, what are you doing with that $5? You know, Pastor Kevin, that $5 really doesn't amount to a lot. Well, when you went to Starbucks yesterday and spent $5 on a drink, it amounted to a drink, right? So it does have value. And what I want to tell you today 
is that when God comes and he says, what about that $5? It has value. We recognize the value going to a store and picking up whatever we're picking up. But oftentimes when it's just $5 in our wallet, we're like, oh, it's just $5. It's not going to accomplish anything. But God says, I'm going to look at the $5 and how you handle that $5. And I'm going to give you an accordance to that $5. Matthew 25, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Of last point today, the principle of the tithe. The tension, tension topic today. As a steward, where do I begin? Can I tell you today, as a steward, where you begin is with this thing called the tithe, the tenth, the first 10% of all that you have. The harsh reality is this, whenever we read scripture, whenever we look at scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, if you look at the context of all of it, you will never succeed in biblical stewardship without tithing. You just won't. That's not Pastor Kevin coming up here with this guilt thing. That's what God's word basically declares. Budgeting will get your house in order, but can I tell you this? Tithing will get your heart in order. And the reality is, yes, God wants you to be a good steward to get your house in order, but God wants your heart in order. God wants your heart centered on him. The reason tithing declares that you recognize, uh, the, the reason is, is that tithing declares that you recognize God first in your life. Tithing is an act of love. Tithing is an act of obedience. Tithing is an act of trust. I don't have time to go into the fruits, first fruits mindset, but there's this idea that is there that you give out of your first fruits with confidence and trust that he's going to provide enough in the end. That's the basis of it all. And it's not based upon your behavior. It's based upon the God who is trustworthy. Can I tell you this? When I do all that God tells me to do, he does what I can't do. Pastor Kevin, are you perfect? No. I make my mistakes. Pastor Kevin, do you steward every, every minute of time and every ounce of money? No, I'm not perfect. That's where I desperately need the grace of God. That's why I know that the talent that he gave to the one and the five is based upon his goodness and his grace. And my responsibility has to constantly come back to going, God, how am I handling what you gave me? The principle of the tithe frees us from the love of money. When we submit God what is God's, we're saying, God, I am not going to love money more than you. I'm not going to prioritize money over you. I'm going to put you first in my life, regardless of whether it looks like I'm not going to have enough. Hebrews 13.5 says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Keep your money in the proper place. If you think of God first, you're going to put your money where it first goes to. Can I tell you, that's the order and priority but Pastor Kevin, does God need my money? He owns all the gold and all the silver and all the cattle. He needs you to need him in your money. He needs you to recognize where it all comes from. And that's why this concept of the tithe is so important. Deuteronomy began in the Old Testament before this, but Deuteronomy 14 it says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all of your fields and your possessions. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring all of it. Don't just bring a portion. Recognize God and say, God, no, I'm putting you first. You're my God. You're the one that's going to be the Lord of my life. 
Many times we have this, people come back and go, what's the storehouse? The definition of a storehouse is to the temple, the dwelling house, the receptacle. It goes on, wherever you worship is where you bring it. Your act of giving is an act of worship in the house of worship. Oftentimes we come back and we go, well, worship is clapping my hands. Worship is singing a song. Worship is raising my hands. Worship is giving to God of our finances. Worship is serving God with our lives. Worship is loving God with all of our heart, soul, and our minds. That's worship. When I tithe, I declare I trust God more than I trust my money. I trust God more than I trust my money. Ron and I have been at this for a while, and she's much holier than I am. But can I tell you, there are times, not recently, but there have been times in the past to go, God, you know, if I didn't, and I have to come back and go, God, I'm trusting you more than I'm putting trust in this money. God, I'm putting you first. God, I know the principle and I can say the right words, but often, but there are times that my heart hasn't always been in the right place. Jesus is saying to you, he's declaring in this parable, well done, good and faithful servant. This idea of faithfulness is clarified by consistency. Everyone say consistency. When things are tight, anybody, uh, uh, consistency when things are tight, I'm trying to read my notes here. Anybody can be faithful when they have surplus. I can give of my time when I have lots of extra time. I can give of my money when I have lots of extra money. I can give of my energy when I have lots of extra energy. But it comes down to when I don't have enough time for me, and I don't have enough energy enough for me, and I don't have enough money for me, that I have to come back and go, God, do I love you enough to give it to you? And I believe that when God's saying, Kevin, will you be faithful? Kevin, will you trust me? This principle of stewardship, can I tell you, over is overarching of saying, God, you have my best interest in mind. God, you may have given me one and you may have given me f- them five, and it's not about comparison or better than, it's because they're stronger at this moment. And God, you don't want to crush me under this. Can I tell you, if you would embrace what God has given you of going, God, thank you for what you've given me. I'm grateful for this. And let me tell you, God, I am going to prove to you, you can test me, but I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be consistent and I'm going to prove to you my love. And all that, God's not looking for perfection. I'm going to skip over a last verse. If you want to hear it, you can come to next service. I want to get to the application because I want to end here. As you begin to look at your life, think about these challenges that are before us with Dave Ramsey as well as this 90-day giving challenge, I want you to think about these four questions. Which of these three principles have you or do you struggle with the most? Where is it that you wrestle? Everyone's going to wrestle in different areas, and I'll tell you this, you may be all right today, but tomorrow you may wrestle. You may be all right for a month, and you're going to wrestle. What is it that you're struggling with? What excuses do you need to eliminate from your life? What are those but God comments? What are those excuses you need to eliminate? And what step of obedience do you need to begin today to take? Last question, are you living a contented life trusting God with all that you have? 
Can I tell you contentment? That's part of the definition I didn't get to here, but contentment is this, out of, is this idea of being satisfied with the goodness of God in your life. Discontentment is dissatisfied. Discontentment compares. Contentment comes back and says, God, you've given me, and I'm content with what you've given me. God, you love me. Today, we're presented with an opportunity for action. God, I want to put you first. Can I tell you to put him first? It may be the very first thing. Go to the slide up here of the, and maybe you need to go on step-by-step financial. You need to say, God, I want to honor you and I want to love you. So I'm going to get my money in order. Can I tell you, $79 is really, really cheap. A cheap price for freedom. And if you want to go one step further, which I encourage you to do today, step into the next stage, screenshot that, and would you make a commitment today? Can I tell you, I would love for for everybody, not for me, but for yourself to go, I am going to make a commitment, a 90-day giving challenge. I'm going to, God, can I tell you, there's nowhere else in scripture, like it does in Malachi, that God invites you to test him. He says, test me and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and reward you. Can I tell you, God, just like we're given a money back guarantee, can I tell you, God gives a money back guarantee. Test me in this. Let me prove to you. Today, as you would stand to your feet this morning, God, across this room, please take opportunity to fill these cards out. Go online and do so. God, today across this room, God, I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you that you, they hear your voice, hear this word. God, would you help them not just to receive it in their ears, not just to mull it around in their minds, God, but would you, would you bring it to a place that it's, it impacts their hearts? God, bring transformation to us. God, today I hear the spirit of God declaring, I want freedom for you. God, where there are those that are bound today, we bind, we bind bondage. God, those that have been feeling condemnation, we bind condemnation. God, today I pray that as it is in heaven, which is freedom, may it be on this earth, freedom. God, there's not a money problem in heaven. There's not a heart issue in heaven. So God, bring that here today. God, would you fix our hearts? Help us to align ourselves with you. Help us to take steps of faith and trust in you today. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. Our prayer team is coming to the front as I speak. If they, and if you need prayer today, if you would allow them to pray over you, I think they're coming here. They're coming. Um, if you'd allow them to pray for you if, you, if you need prayer today, I want to remind you that if you fill out a connection card, would you stop by the welcome booth? Let them give you a, a gift from us and we will see you in the weeks to come. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.